Hi, uh, welcome to this week's episode of In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duba, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. And we have some great topics on this week's episode. We're going to discuss the Big Little Lies finale and the entire second season, Prince George's birthday, and Josh's Saturday night in the Hamptons. But first, some bittersweet news. Yes. Uh, so we started doing this podcast, I guess it was about two years ago, when Meghan Markle, I remember very well that Julie and I were scheduled to record our first episode in the weekend before there was the first Sun report about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry dating and trying to figure out who the Suits actress was dating Prince Harry. And we knew we had to talk about it immediately. And our podcast has sort of mirrored the rise of Meghan Markle as Duchess of Sussex. So we have seen it through, we've seen through the wedding, we've seen her through the birth of Archie, we've seen her through having to delete her social media accounts, the highs and the lows. Um, and I guess this is a long-winded way. I'm trying to avoid saying the actual news here that Julie and I are going to be winding down the podcast. We're going to be recording this week's episode and we're going to record next week's episode. So don't worry, this isn't the last one. Um, but we are unfortunately uh, going to be wrapping things up. Hopefully this isn't the end of Josh and Julie. I could guarantee you it isn't. We're going to figure out a way to be uh, collaborating one way or the other in the future. And we will keep you all posted about whatever that ends up being, whatever shape that ends up taking. But after, I guess, about six years at Vanity Fair, for me, um, I'm going to be moving on to other adventures and opportunities. And I uh, sadly will not be here every day in the office with Julie. Uh, but we want to say that we kind of consider this similar to uh, Meghan Markle ending the TIG in the sense that we are very devastated, but hopefully there will be another permutation in the future that is more royal and wild and exciting to look forward to. Yes, and we're thinking about hosting a meetup next week in New York. If anyone's around, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. I'll be the one in Queen Victoria style, head to toe, black morning with a veil. Yeah, it's gonna be. It, it, we'll we'll keep. We'll try to keep it as upbeat as possible, considering the circumstances. But we will definitely keep you guys posted. Also, since next week's our last episode. We would love, we're, well, you know, follow our social media accounts, but I feel like if there are any kind of questions, queries, ideas, pitches, um, I know exactly <laughs> pitches, like let us know. Uh, we're going to try to have some fun next week to kind of celebrate the run. I and know this has been such a highlight for us each week. It really has. And this is like, so missed. it's such a, the, and I have to say, uh, I know we mentioned this on and off, uh, but Julie and I are like continually sending each other screenshots of like comments that you guys leave in on our Instagram tweets, emails, comments on Apple podcast. Like, I don't know. We just, there's, you guys are so uh, forthcoming and lovely and like kind of funny and smart about the Royals and what we talk about each week. And it really does like, it has been bright spots for Julie and me for the past like two years. Uh, I'm speaking for both of us here, but I think that uh, it's been a really, really, really kind of wonderful experience doing this. 
uh, starting having no idea what it was going to turn into and then having this kind of like fun community and I was getting my hair cut a year ago and someone recognized my voice from the podcast. Really? I don't know if I ever told you that. How could you not tell me that? <laughs> We've had like... It's we- like that happens regularly <laughs> to you that you didn't feel the need to tell me. Um, <laughs> people are always emailing both of us though about kind of the... Um, God, really? What if we just make this the whole episode us gushing about the pod, our own podcast? Um, but... <laughs> And we've had so many guests. I feel like we haven't even mentioned that. I know. Busy, Busy Phillips. Phillips. Who could forget? Jody yes. Comer, Blake, Allison Williams, Emily Ratajkowski. So such a kind of interesting mix. Katie Nichol. Um, I don't know. Just like a lot of different people. Um, all right. Well, on that, I feel like now it's weird to just go into like the normal topics we have planned, but I think we should do it, right? We should do it. And that heavy, big little lies <laughs> finale is going to seem so light in comparison to I that know. intro. From one finale to another. <laughs> wow, what an incredible segue. Um, Josh and I haven't spoken about the season as much as we did the first season. Right. I think like the first season, this took a little bit of time to kind of pick up its momentum. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I know. I feel like so many people texted me to find out my thoughts on the finale, and I wasn't really sure how to kind of uh, synthesize it's confusing because I love the show I love the actresses it's obviously such a unique special kind of chemistry that goes on with the five or now six of them but I don't know if I feel like the season two plot was sort of what I wanted from it I Um, feel like Laura Dern made up for all of the yeah it disappointments. Was just, I think it was just kind of confusing to me that it was so focused on the stuff that happened in season one. Like I was really expecting maybe the beginning of season two would wrap things up a little bit related to all the Skarsgårdness of it all, but that then we'd move on to like a new mystery or a new. I don't know. So, I guess uh, like, my mystery was Meryl Streep's uh, Starbucks order, oh which was unveiled I mean, in the that's, finale. That scene was definitely the highlight of the finale for me. That kind of, like, first of all, the setting, just being at a Starbucks. And well, right, and why not that other... Coffee mo- shop that they've been going Monterey, to all season. Right, why suddenly a Starbucks? Did they need money that badly that they had to do this full-on showdown there, this branded showdown with Meryl right by, like, the chocolate-covered graham crackers? And, and then that, like, off-the-cuff... <laughs> um, I don't know if it was like an ad lib, but when Meryl goes like, I'll take hers because we're going to the same place. Right. Um, And Laura Dern. Should we describe the scene a little bit to people? Yeah, sure. Laura Dern is in over her head this season. Her husband, who has this weird train room man cave, has gambled Mm. away the family's money. She's ordering a, what was it? An Americano, right? Oh, I love that you have committed to memory. Yes, and Meryl Streep leans over trying to make a conversation and Laura loses it. Julie kind of put this part together in the script and I love that there is a three bullet breakdown <laughs> just related to the Starbucks scene. It is incredible. It, was like it deserves that level of detail. <laughs> Um, I didn't even remember that Mary Louise got a mint tea. That seems appropriate. I know. I know. Well, my first bullet point, have you ever seen such handsome (laughs) Handsome baristas? I feel like that casting director (laughs) spent a whole day just casting that little scene. Starbucks really gets a good bump, I feel like, from this portrayal. Maybe. Um, I was just kind of interested to see that Mary Louise's character ended with just driving back to San Francisco. Right. 
it, it sort of felt like an uh, anticlimactic yeah. ending after that whole screaming table first episode scene. I know, um, but I loved her confrontations all season long with Reese, with Laura Dern. Obviously, the courtroom scene with Nicole was like one for the ages. I feel like I couldn't even process that that was happening, that we were getting to watch Nicole Kidman cross-examine Meryl Streep. Wait, but we need a lawyer. I wish we had a lawyer in here who could tell us how realistic it is that they... Poor Nicole, her lawyer didn't do anything during the whole, uh, I was about to say ceremony, (laughs) during the whole court proceeding. And then, like, at the end where they both just stand up, it was like a free-for-all open mic night where, like, everyone around the court was just standing up to opine on what was going on. If you haven't seen the episode, Nicole is fighting to keep full custody. Meryl Streep's Mary Louise has um, kind of said she was an unfit mother because, you know, she was driving after taking Ambien and blacked out and brought home strange men. And then the, like, impromptu, she she finds video footage that her sons took that she ends up using in the court proceedings. That was such a turn. But I just couldn't get over the fact that Nicole Kidman, who has been through so much trauma these past two episodes, her character Celeste, rather, gets up and cross-examines her mother-in-law herself. Yeah, I think that, like, it was ridiculous and obviously not, like, in any way founded in reality. But, I don't know, the whole show was building towards this and it was kind of, like, so great that I didn't care that it almost had no... You know what I mean? Right. I feel like it, I feel like you sometimes I'd be more like taken out of it by how unrealistic it was, but in the Big Little Lies universe, I kind of was down to just go along with it because it was like such great sort of like acting powerhouses up against each other. It really, really was, Josh. If you were entrenched in a custody battle, I would be there every day, just like. Also, Lord. they were, and they were saying so much at the end in front of the two kids. I know it was a lot of information for those kids to take in. But I also love that I got to meet the kids' his dad at the premiere earlier this year because those kids when they grow up I just think it's going to be so funny when they're in their 20s or 30s to realize that they were on this premium TV show that everyone was obsessed with where Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman were in a season long custody battle over them I just think that's so funny for them to someday realize I know I wish you could talk to him again I know a lot of follow ups and Julie got to talk to the actor who plays Laura Dern's husband on the show right well wait wait more about I can't believe Meryl Streep as Mary Louise in that wig said the word jammies on the stand <laughs> oh yeah we won't <laughs> they were talking about how Nicole was driving after taking Ambien and had blacked out. And Her performance was really, I have to say, she was so different than I'd ever seen Meryl. That overbite, that wig. Yeah, like it just, she wasn't a villain per se, but she was definitely... She was in the villain realm. But yeah. It was, it was kind of villain and where really uncool grandma overlap right yes it was like you kind of started there was moments maybe in the last episode where you could see someone feeling sympathy for her but she was like it was a variant i don't know okay and josh this is the question i'm so excited about would you rather be questioning meryl streep's mary louise on the stand or be cross-examined by nicole kidman celeste I would rather be I'd rather be cross-examined by Nicole. I feel like Nicole would like or Celeste, sorry. I feel like Celeste would like pierce into like the truth of my soul, you know? Right, I feel in that silk blouse. I feel like I know, I wouldn't even be able to answer her questions. I'd just be so transfixed by that like <laughs> lavender pantsuit. 
I think I would definitely be <laughs> right. I think that's what would you say? Right. Mary Louise is kind of. I don't know if I'd want to like question her. I don't really know if I have much to say. She doesn't seem like <laughs> the person you want to engage with. Right. And Nicole's sort of steely acting in that scene was amazing. I have to say, I was though waiting. Maybe this goes along with what I was saying earlier about wanting like season two to have more of like a different thrust to it. But I was waiting for like some crazy reveal. I don't really feel like we got much in the courtroom scene we didn't know already. Well, the crazy flashback reveal. The crazy flashback. But even that, I sort of felt... I knew we were going to find out something related to her other son. Oh, I didn't... I forgot about the other son. Oh, yeah. When was that... They were. They had built it up a little bit. When was that mentioned? I want, maybe like one or two episodes ago. Like, like she was... Mary Louise had brought it up at some point. Okay. Um, But yeah, I don't know... I don't know. I just was kind of waiting for this like shock and awe ending that was, it was a, it was a sort of a sedate ending actually after the courtroom scene. <laughs> well, aside from Bonnie's mom, but. Oh, right. Right. Um, yes, but I spoke to as, uh, if you listened to In the Limelight during uh, Big Little Lies' first season, I was really transfixed by Laura Dern's husband, Gordon, played by Jeffrey Nordling. And this season, he's kind of had a crazy... Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, ...trajectory change. All of a sudden, it turned out that he was like a reckless gambler who had this insane man cave with a $30,000 train set, full bar. He was cheating with the nanny. I spoke to Jeffrey. He actually told me that he did not like this midlife crisis trajectory at all. He spoke to David E. Kelly, the show's creator, and Andrea Arnold, the director, and like really put up a fight. He loved Gordon and Renata's marriage before. I I love that he kind of stood up for what he wanted for the character and went in there and just kind of put it on the line. Gotta stand up for what you believe in. I thought for sure I I was very convinced he was going to have... I thought when maybe Renata got back to the house, he had killed himself. I don't know. It was like a very ominous, it was a very ominous scene where she came back. And then when she hits everything with the baseball bat, I was like, is she going to inadvertently kill him? It seemed very dark. I know because she knocked him in the stomach. I know, but I guess he's fine, right? I guess he's fine. I know. I almost want you to do like another interview with him now. (laughs) That scene was wild. And I feel like that scene got the most like meme gif sort of from it. I know when she just crushes everything with the baseball bat. It was um, the whole the whole train thing. Yeah, from the beginning to the end. I would love to I know, know why David E. Kelly just got so hung up on the train. And set. in the first episode, I thought there was going to be some interesting secret there, but also his affair with the maid was surprising. To, well, not I guess not surprising, but kind of. That was kind of surprising. Yeah, but Renata staying with him. I don't know. Also, what do we know about if there's going to be a third season? They've all been kind of playing it coy, right? Right. I mean... I feel like it set it up pretty... HBO's got to show them that money. Yeah. I feel like it ended in such a way, season two, though, where everyone got their wrap-up, sort of. Right. Reese's character got a nice wrap-up. Bonnie leaving her husband. Right. She was no more lying. The five of them going in to confess was... I don't know. I I just... I want season three almost to maybe do a time jump. Oh, would yes. love a time jump, like yes. four years ahead or something. I would love that too. Also, did Abigail go to college? Never got resolution on that. Right. Maybe that's why they brought Starbucks in because they n- knew they would need help financing <laughs> like that another, cast for another season. I know. 
Um, all right. Anyway, let us know what you thought of the finale. I feel like it was somewhat of a divisive season. No? Sure. <laughs> People love it, but... I feel right. Like I thought Laura Dern as Renata has never been better. She had some really amazing standout moments. Every yes. showdown with her husband was phenomenal. Every right. showdown with Meryl Streep's character. All right. Now another monumental occasion similar to the the same day as the Big Little Lies finale, Prince George turned six. Wow. Can you, what timing? What timing? Julie, can we process that he is six? I know. Time has really flown. So the palace released three new portraits of the young royal. They were all taken by Kate, which obviously isn't surprising in that she takes photos of her kids all the time. But I didn't actually even connect this. She's never taken them of George before for his birthday. I didn't realize that either. She's taken the Charlotte and the Louis ones, but the George birthday portraits were always taken by professionals. In my head, George said, <laughs> you need to wait until you have some more experience. And now, finally, he's <laughs> he like... He looked at her portfolio. He got the contract. was like, all right, this year, I guess you can do it, Mom. <laughs> I'll throw you a bone. Um now, Julie, I don't know how closely you've studied the three photos, but I would say they were more casual than even... They're very casual. I know. He, uh, George was in a soccer jersey in one. Yes. I described them as that they look, kind of looked like the sort of photos you'd see taped up on a family's fridge, if that makes sense. Yes, like almost completely. like impromptu taken after your kid's soccer game. And you're like, oh, this is a sweet photo. So you end up making a print of it to put up on your fridge. But yes, in two of them, he's wearing the England official soccer shirt, both taken in the Garden of Kensington Palace. And then there's a third, which I'm curious if anyone has thoughts on why they also included this one in the mix, because it's so different in feel than the other two. But that was taken when they were on holiday. They're in Mystique right now, where they go every year. And I love that People Magazine's analysis of the third one is uh, George is clearly enjoying island time. The young prince sports freshly rosy cheeks and tousled hair in the sweet snap. Wow. What a description. Um, <laughs> Julie, what... I want someone to caption a photo of us as Josh and Julie are clearly, clearly on island time. I love that. Um, I'm going to pull them up so we can look at them oh. as we discuss. Um, what do we think they are communicating with these if anything i know i love the one with uh george is on the grass in the jersey ha has his head back laughing his mouth open wide so this one and so julie's aligned with the wider populace because this one has the most likes of the three. Oh, this has by a good margin this has 1.5 million wow i feel like i'm doing a powerpoint presentation right i know now. then this other one of him in the soccer jersey just kind of like smiling standing that one has a little under a million, uh, but like that's like 500,000 less. Right. And then the green shirt is trailing behind in third with about <laughs> 883,000 likes. I know it is. It is a little strange that they... But the lying on the grass one was liked by Gwyneth Paltrow and David Beckham. Uh. Gwyneth only liked that of the three. I think David Beckham <laughs> liked all three. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like they're trying to show a sort of relatability with the soccer shirt, right. Kate taking them in a way that with George birthday photos, they haven't always done. But, you know, happy birthday, George, I guess. Happy birthday, George. Do um, there's one controversy, though, obviously, that we have to get into. So Sussex Royal commented on 
the green shirt photo. Interesting. I know, not the soccer shirt ones, and and the caption that we're you know everyone assumes Megan wrote it. We don't we don't know who wrote it. Happy birthday, cake emoji, red balloon emoji, exclamation point. Wishing you a very special day and lots of love. I didn't know at first. I just saw this giant headline. Royal fans are so mad about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's birthday wish to Prince George. I didn't know what this was going <laughs> to be. Because I think I had seen the comment. I didn't think it seemed... I don't know. Did you, did you already read about this? So the actual controversy is, I guess, because they didn't use his royal title, his royal highness, Prince George of Cambridge... This to me is not controversial. No. And a caption to write that would seem so strange to me. Right. And also to introduce any sort of formality to the Instagram comment section just seems ludicrous. I know. Like all of a sudden now we're treating that like the Oxford English (laughs) Dictionary or something. It's like, no, obviously when you're leaving a comment on Instagram, even if they just done like a heart, I think that would have been fine. Right. And Um, he's a kid. He's six. Yeah, he's six. He was rolling around the trunk of his family's car last week. Exactly. And some of these comments are wild. Happy birthday to who? (laughs) He he is HRH, Prince George, future king. His royal highness, Prince George of Cambridge, he's the future king and to be your king. They still have to show deference and respect to him. Does the British royal family not some Hollywood film set? Like, (laughs) that getting slung (laughs) out there. And then, and then some of them are just wild. That one day, person was waiting. That person was sitting on that Hollywood film set. One comment. day, Prince George will teach you how to be respectful. You'll remember this day. Like, the, if this, nothing has shown yet how crazy and insane and not to be kind of taken seriously internet commenters are, this might be it. But then a few people defended them, saying, what a lovely birthday message. <laughs> like, maybe a more spirit. They're probably more spirited defenses than that. I think this is clearly insane that anyone is worrying so much. I was, I thought it was nice that they, I thought maybe we were actually going to get, if I was running the Sussex Royal account, I might've done a post for George's right. birthday. That would be nice. More than just a comment. Yes. Um, wait, as Megan told Pharrell, what's this? <laughs> so did you see this from the Lion King premiere? No. Uh, there was like footage that came out over the past week of Megan and Harry when they were kind of going down that line to talk to all the Lion King cast. They stopped to talk to Pharrell and Pharrell said to Harry and Megan, this was based on sort of like, I guess, a close lip reading analysis or people overhearing the audio. I'm so happy for your union. Love is amazing. It's wonderful. Don't ever take that for granted. But what it means in today's climate, I just wanted to tell you it's so significant for so many of us. Seriously. And then Megan replied, that's so kind of you to say. Pharrell said, I mean this, it's significant. We cheer you guys on. Megan reached out and touched him on the arm. This is from the Daily Beast set and said, oh, thank you. They don't make it easy. So people took that to mean she was referring to sort of like the media attention and the way people are on her. So I just said when I saw all this craziness about the comments, as Megan told Pharrell, they don't make it easy. I know. Julie is really giving a sympathetic <laughs> side. That that really won you over. That really won me over. It did. It was yeah, sweet. It was sweet. Um, and I feel like we've always known she kind of must, how could they not see sort of the general whatever that's out there? And it did make me sad to think that she is, I mean, for anyone. Right. We don't usually get to see her admits things are tough. I want her to give like a full interview to like 60 Minutes or someone. 
to Gail and Oprah to whoever because I just want I feel like she has a lot to kind of say that would be really interesting and good and I don't know. Right. I'm going to start incorporating, as Megan told Pharrell, they don't make it easy, just in regular conversation. <laughs> Can we get that on the throw pillow? <laughs> Next week, when, for our last episode, we should do like all the different sayings. Remember we had like, oh, yes. oh hi, what was it? Hi, I'm Nina. Hi, I'm Nina. There was, there was another. There were <laughs> no others. No bad energy. No bad energy, obviously. <laughs> okay. So then lastly... Josh went to a Chanel <laughs> event in Sag Harbor on Saturday. Yes, I went to Sag Harbor on Saturday. It was a dinner for Chanel, actually on Shelter Island, where I'd never been before. Have you been there? No. So you take a boat. Like it's a 25-minute boat ride from the Hamptons. And I was on this boat with a group of other journalists. Was it a fancy boat? Um, you had to take your shoes off when you got on. They had rosé and water on the boat. It was fancy. But I did not partake in either. Oh, no, I had a water. Um, I was anxious about the boat. Oh, okay. Um, it went kind of fast, and it was like choppy waters. It was also swelteringly hot in New York on Saturday. It was like maybe 100 degrees. Um, I just wanted to like get to the island. And then when we got there and they had like a guy who helps you get off, you had to transfer to a smaller boat to then get to the shore. There was like a boat transfer in the middle of the water that made me very stressed out. This makes out. me very nervous. I know. And I'm like wearing a blazer. I was sort of uncomfortable and sweating through it. What if you um, wanted to leave early? What if you got sick and had to leave? To, I know. I was like, if they have to airlift me out, that would probably be fitting somehow. Um, but no, you had uh, to get back to the hotel at the end. They actually were in cars. So I don't really, I didn't really get the logistics and I didn't bother to figure it out. Um, but, but I'm not really sure how that's possible that we had to take a boat there, but drove back. They really but on the drive back, we went through kind of like a locks ferry system. The car was like on something okay. that got connected to something else. Definitely very technically specific <laughs> there. Um, anyway, Billie Eilish was the big draw. She performed. I had seen her in concert about maybe a month ago, but I didn't realize even necessarily... I didn't realize then, what am I saying? Everyone in this, when I saw her a month ago, was just shouting along to every song at Radio City Music Hall. She obviously has a huge fan base, but for fans to find her at Shelter Island was kind of wild to me because it's like such a small island and I guess people had seen her Instagram stories or someone's Instagram stories. So when she ended at the end of the night, there were probably like 100, 150 people waiting across from the hotel like for her. And then she went in and it was like screams you have never heard, shrieking because she went over to like commune with the fans and give them hugs and talk to them. And I thought it was so like nice of her to do that because you could see a lot of artists just being, you know, wanting to get out of there as immediately as possible. But they lost it. And then when she got in the car at, after, you know, however long and then drove away, there was this one girl who just kind of was like convulsing and just kept like screaming, she hugged me, she hugged me over and over again. And it was just like very intense. It was like a, I mean, it reminds me of like how it is for, I guess, Justin Bieber, or BTS or any of these like phenomenon, but she is definitely, it affirmed to me like with no doubt that she has like reached that status. I um, mean, she's so poised. I talked to her before and she just, I cannot get over that she's 17. She has this uh, kind of, she. I, I feel like she's leagues and bounds more mature <laughs> and grounded than me. Uh, like she was just able to articulate kind of what it means to have this fan base and how she thinks about her stage show. Um, 
and I was just very, very, very impressed with her. She did like a five-song acoustic set at the dinner. Wow. It was an Andre Balaz hotel where this event was. The dinner was like a Branzino sort of situation. Oh. I know. It was very kind of like, I felt like I was in Italy or Greece or something, honestly, on Shelter Island. Um, also present, Cami Marone, who dates Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. She is so sweet. I don't, have you met her or interviewed her no. at any point? I really, really love her. She um, was not bothered by the weather at all. <laughs> the height of my journalistic career is when she gave me this quote, I'd rather be in humidity than dry heat. This is my kind of hot. Julie, this is, my, this is my kind of hot. I feel like that's another one to like reclaim and repurpose. <laughs> And like, and she did not look. Meanwhile, I'm Who in. Who prefers wet heat <laughs> over dry heat? Meanwhile, Cammy Maroon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess Cammy Maroon. Um, she looked so stupendous, like, and did not. I, I feel like I had a blazer on. I was dripping like water off my face, like the sweat. I had like two napkins to try to like pat my face down. It's like a hundred degrees outside. Meanwhile, she's just gliding down the red carpet. Like, I don't know. It's almost like she's unfazed by the temperatures, like nothing, you know? Um, she's like, I did a shoot on the beach today. She just like had this effortless sort of, uh, I don't know. I see why she's a famous model and actress. Wow, what a glowing review of Cavi Marone. I don't think you've ever described anyone as looking stupendous. I don't, I don't think I've ever used the word stupendous. In, in the limelight, and Josh Duvall first. <laughs> that, this is my kind of hot, Cami Marone. Um, and Maude Apatow was there, Poppy Delavine, Rachel Zoe. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was like a fun mix of like sort of socialites and actresses. And Josh sent me an amazing photo of him all dressed up posing with a Chanel surfboard. Yes, they had these surfboards out on the beach that uh, you could like go out and pose on. So a different, one of the other writers and I went out and like took photos of each other. I really went for it. And then I, this guy next to me who was like a stranger watching us was like, um, like nice work or something. And I was like, do you approve? And like had him look at the different, <laughs> of course there were like eight options on my phone before I storied the one I did. <laughs> Julie and I know how that goes, but yeah, it was fun. It was a good, a fun, like summer excursion. Uh, and Billy was great. She did like a five song acoustic set. A lot of the people near me were like influencer types who were like Instagram living the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I know. I wish you'd been there with me. It would have been a nice sort of fun shelter Island outing. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week's episode. Our second to last. God it's so surreal and weird to think. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, uh, there's one more to go. So make sure you send us your thoughts before next week's episode um, on all the above, other things, things you want to hear us talk about next week. And definitely make sure you're following our social accounts. Just once we figure out what that next chapter will look like, we will be updating on those accounts. Our Twitter is at In The Limelight. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. I'm at Jay Duboff. And our Instagram handle, as most of you know, is in the limelight pod. But make sure you're following us there. This episode was edited and produced by our hero, Brett Fuchs. Thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you next week. No No bad bad energy. energy.